This is the Made For More podcast. The health and wellness industry can be dogmatic and stagnant. We aim to explore what makes up the true essence of the human experience by discussing health, happiness, the human body, and what it truly means to be made for more. I'm your host, Jake Reynolds, along with co-host Lauren Sock and Mary Kathleen Toner. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Made for More podcast. I'm your host, Jake Reynolds. And I'm Mary Kathleen Toner. And I'm Lauren Sock. Yeah, I am super excited. Um, We have our good friend, uh, neighbor and community partner, Dr. Liliana Warner of Lotus of Life Chiropractic and Wellness Center here with us today. And the reason I'm so excited is I've been a longtime client of hers and love the approach that she gives to her care with her clients. It's very holistic and it's very different than what you would see in traditional chiropractic care. So thank you for joining us, Liliana. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, we would love to kind of hear your story, kind of what set the stage for you to go into chiropractic care and how did you decide to take the approach to chiropractic care that you are doing right now? Yeah, great. So I started chiropractic care as a patient myself when I was about 14 years old. Um, I was pretty sick as a kid. Uh, I had really bad asthma and allergies um, to the point where I missed so much school one year that they wanted to hold me back. And so that was pretty monumental because uh, for me, you know, I was getting lots of medical treatment, but I wasn't getting any better. I was just kind of not getting worse. And so my mom um, was at her chiropractic visit one day and kind of broke down in tears and her chiropractor said, what's going on? And he encouraged her to, after some discussion, to bring me in and just see if chiropractic could help. And a year later, I was off all my medication and breathing treatments. And that kind of changed the course of my health and life. So my practice, therefore, is really based on family care and health, because from my own experience, um, if we can help kids be healthier, we can get healthier adults, right? And it's much easier to help a child learn how to be healthy than it is to fix someone at age 40, 50, 60. So we work with people of all ages in our office, from newborns up to whatever age, and really love working with all different ages to help maximize their health wherever they're at. And not only to get out of pain and function better in a you know general symptom way, but also deeper in their system so that it's creating lifelong health, not just pain relief in the moment. Um, and so with that, Uh, We use a particular approach, which is called biogeometric integration, which is what you alluded to that makes us a little bit different. Uh, We still do traditional adjustments that most people think of if they've been to a chiropractor before, Uh, but we also integrate that into a bigger system that looks at the whole uh, relationship of the body from head to toe. So rather than adjustments in a particular region meant to affect that particular region and maybe extrapolate out to the rest of the system. We're very deliberate in how that delivery looks so that we know exactly how that will extrapolate out. Therefore, we can see when someone comes in for back pain or headaches, say something really physical like that, that someone might originally come into a chiropractor for we can really see how that is affecting other areas in the body and maybe creating other patterns or pain pain, uh, pain patterns um, and other diseases or health issues because of those interrelationships in the system. So because of that, instead of people saying things like, as long as I get adjusted, I don't have fill in the blank here with a symptom. Instead, what we hear is I no longer have this issue. And to Mm -hmm. me, that's where real healing comes in. And so that's why I take that approach. Yeah. And I think 
Yeah, it's awesome. I think, you know, what we love is that we share a lot of mutual clients and it is the holistic approach that you're treating the nervous system, you're getting them better, but sometimes they need more, right? Like to keep themselves stable or get them back to the function that they want. And that's a really fun way to work with you and your clients. Agreed. So um, this has been a really lovely relationship that we've shared with clients. Um, It's convenient. We're so close, first of all, but also that we both take that view of holistic whole body care and we take the functional part of that really seriously. And so when we have clients that are making you know, strides in their care, but we need their bodies to have that extra support so that they can maintain that uh, integrity in their system for the long haul, you know, I can give them some exercises to do at home, but to work one-on-one with someone from your practice has really shown to have a greater effect in their overall healing and long-term benefit of their health to their health. And so I loved, loved, loved working together in that way. Yeah. I, I want to jump back just real quick. You talked about specifically working with um, children and um, the idea of creating healthy adults starts by creating healthy children. And I, this is something that is really interesting to me because I think we all have had those clients or patients that we get who clearly have not learned over the course of their life how to cope with with whether that be their their environment or you know physical stressors whatever that is um and you know if we kind of bring like go down to like what the nuts and bolts of it are it's it's really a nervous system that doesn't really understand how to op, like function optimally within its environment and so like by getting those kids early you're kind of teaching that nervous system and and educating that that nervous system a little bit what talk about your approach with regards to that, is a lot of it education? Like, what, what is your approach with uh, kids specifically? So in our practice, the actual adjustment is a little bit longer than when you go to a more traditional practice for chiropractic. So typically adjustments in a chiropractic office are pretty fast because the idea is we're putting that input in and then your body's doing the healing after the fact, which is all true in what we're doing as well. But we're taking more time in the moment to really help your neurology own it as we go. So what I find is that by approaching it that way, we teach the nervous system more in the moment and you hold your adjustments better that way. And so we get results faster. And so what that looks like is some uh, kind of directed breath work and then some very light soft tissue input in a particular uh, way to help that neurology own how those connections are being made from head to toe. So again, globally in the system. And we do the same thing with kids. So whereas typically in chiropractic offices, you know, or not typically, sometimes kids just lay and relax and that's wonderful to see. It's so cool. But mostly what we see is that, uh, you know, it's kind of in and out and they're not so much a participant in that process, but just a patient for a moment, right? Like, okay, hold still while I adjust you and then you're on your way, go play. Whereas in our office, you'll see a, a ch- young child, maybe who isn't even old enough to talk yet, lay and receive the care because they, one, see their parents doing that. So they learn good self-care skills because they say, oh, this is what we do for health. So they learn that from a young age, but also they can feel that change literally happening in their neurology as they're laying there. It's amazing to watch kids who don't have any preconceived notion of what this should or should not feel like respond in the moment in their bodies. So even in little tiny kids, little tiny babies, even we can really see those changes in an outward way in their system, in the way that they change their breath patterns or shift and move in their body, settle into their system a little bit. Moms or dads holding kids getting adjusted will even say, oh, I just felt them relax into me. So it's very cool as we from the start can actually show them in a very physical, real way, what feeling uh, good can feel like. 
and that that's something that they have control over if they so choose to do so for the rest of their lives. So we get, you know, by the time someone is, you know, if they start care when they're tiny in my office, by the time they're eight, they're asking for, or less than that, three or four, they're asking for adjustments because they know, oh, when I get this care, I feel different immediately. And I know that that's supporting my system. And there's a difference between being told something's good for you and feeling that neurological change. Hmm. Wow, that is crazy. I never knew. I'm. This is sort of blowing my mind because I'm one of those people who really only knew um, that you go to the chiropractor, sort of like the common misconception is with PTs, that if you're injured, you go to a PT. If your back hurts, you go to a chiropractor. So to hear the types of changes that you're making in children physically, you know, in the moment and long term, the way that they approach their health is just really incredible. How did you start seeing a more like a young clientele? Well, so for me, I knew that's what, because of my own experience, I knew that's what I wanted to do from the start. So when I first opened my practice, um, that's where I focused. So I focused on working with pregnant women so that, you know, we get access then to their families as they develop and grow from the start, right? Um, And so I work a ton with midwives, for example, um, and doulas for for birth. And I also have relationships with the pediatricians in the area because there are lots of things that people go to their pediatrician for, bring their child to the pediatrician for. And the pediatrician may say, well, we can, you know, do some stretches or we can brace or we can do these different things. But they're not necessarily um, supported on a recovery level, but more on a like, let's manage the symptoms level. And as the country grows, goes more towards wellness and expecting to be well, which I really do feel like in the 14 years I've been in practice, I'm seeing a move more towards that, which makes me thrilled yeah. um, that we see that pediatricians are starting to see, oh, we can have this relationship with chiropractors where we support each other and are like-minded in this. And so I also developed those relationships early on. Um, and then I also early on actually worked with some schools just to help educate like through the PTA or um, to teachers in making sure that they understood how uh, chiropractic could benefit the neurological and hence development in general of kids that they see. Wow, that's super important. That's great. What a good idea to work with schools and to, you know, really push this idea of wellness. I think, like you said, you see it coming about being more predominant now than ever in your 14 years um, in this health industry. Um, And you must be one of the people who is helping it be that way by going to schools and advocating for the wellness of, you know, not just adults, but children. I think that's great. Great. Thank you. So, you know, the other thing I find interesting, because you talked about, you know, treating the whole person, um, because I know when I've come in there, you know, it is the whole family, it's people of all ages as well. So what about the person who comes in and they're now an adult, they've never been in pain and they come to you and they are in pain and they just don't have the coping mechanism to realize that pain can happen, but it can be treated and they can live a pain-free life again. Because I know sometimes people go into that kind of, you know, that pain mode where they're just so scared about what's going on and they don't have the the coping mechanisms to get over that hump. Yeah. So we definitely do. And this goes back to Jake's original question a minute ago. Um, we do a lot of education with our patients. So, you know, we do a lot of discussion in their original, like first new patient appointment. Um, our history paperwork, for example, is something like six pages long, which seems kind of absurd when you think about that. However, what why that is the case is because we don't just want to know about what's happening with your low back right now. We want to know what got your body to that point. And what I always hear from those people who have never thought about that big picture and thought about how something they did 20 years ago might affect their body today, um, either then or now, maybe thinking about that 
um, is we want to frame that for them, right? That this, you didn't pick up a feather and your back went out because the feather was too heavy, right? right. You, you developed these patterns over a lifetime and here's the story. Your history is the story of that. And so here we are now. And by gaining that information, we can really see kind of what unfolded. And oftentimes through that conversation, the patient will have big realizations of, oh gosh, I've just told you eight things about my right low back and leg or whatever the case may be, right? And so usually what they say is nobody's ever done that with them, right? Nobody's ever looked at their whole life as a story impacting this moment now, right? And so as we look at that whole, they naturally get some insight from that, Um, And then we very targetedly, you know, talk about that. So we talk about how every um, physical trauma, emotional trauma, chemical trauma you have, if you can't integrate it in that moment, your body stores that. And that's in, on one hand, it's unfortunate because then eventually that builds up in your system. On another hand, that's really useful because it builds up and you you then have a way to access and undo that damage, if you will, right? Undo those layers, but yeah. it takes work, right? And so that's where when we get someone who's in pain for the first time at 40, 50 years old, um, you know, it takes longer than a couple adjustments to make big change. So they might be have less symptoms or even be symptom free after a couple of visits. But unless we actually unravel all those patterns that have built up in their system, which takes time and restrengthening and retraining, um, then we're not going to actually see the problem be solved. We're just going to have temporary pain relief. Right. And I don't want to be someone's aspirin. I want to help them actually recover, which is why, again, we make such a good pair because you guys have that same goal of bigger function and recovery. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think we have, you know, that same discussion with our clients, you know, when they come in of, you know, getting over kind of helping them to understand the pain, pain science and all that. And then them seeing that we can set goals that allow them to achieve their function, but it's going to be a little bit slower and it's, but it's kind of, we have what we call our climb and we explain that it's going to be a climb and we're going to work together on this, but your outcome's going to be amazing. And we see tons of people just like them and they're not alone. So feeling that they're alone and that they're isolated in this episode of pain is often what people come in with, not realizing that it's a lot of people have it and it's very easy to treat. Yes. You know, one of the other things I started doing a couple years into practice that I think is really helpful for people is we started quantifying our exam. So instead of it being just, you know, a history and then an exam where, you know, I collect data and then just tell you, so here's, you know, here's what we're going to do. Instead, we actually grade each of those things that we tested on the exam so we can give someone a functional score. And they can actually watch that score increase over time as they heal, which is really great because it takes out my opinion and the symptoms and lets their body guide what's happening. And I've really loved looking at it from that perspective because the body really will tell us everything we need to know if we know how to listen and we know how to help it, right? And so by the sort of work that, your office and my office does, we can really track that progress over time. So rather than it just being, oh, I'm out of pain, so I'm not going to come back, a patient can really own, oh, I'm out of pain, and I can see that I'm only 50% better. And if I can go the other 50%, we will have healed something instead of just gotten me out of pain where I'm going to be back in an emergency in the future. Mm-hmm. And people love, they love numbers, they love scores. And I will never, I'll never forget this, um, this time when I had, I was treating a client of yours and she comes in and she says, oh my goodness, they just did, you know, a new assessment. I got my score and I'm only at a 60%. And I looked at her and I'm like, you're, you're doing really, really well. And I told her that my score was only a 40%. And she looked at me (laughs) and said, 
really? You're only at a 40? And then she thought, well, maybe I'm not so bad <laughs> anymore, <laughs> you know, but it puts it in perspective when you're like, okay, this person, you know, has a lot more issues. You just don't see them, but they are, yeah. you know, so is she, and then she, from there, she kind of changed her perspective of like, okay, I'm actually doing better than I thought I was. Yeah. So it's interesting how, how people register that too, right? Like one thing we talk about is on our graph of functionality, we talk about I, the fact that I like to see a healthy functioning adult, truly healthy, not just feeling healthy, uh, internally healthy, neurologically healthy, functionally healthy at an 85% or above. You know, I don't expect someone to be at hundred percent. We live in a city, there's toxins all around us. We're physically rough on our bodies all the time. Like to be at a hundred percent all the time in the way that we're talking about it would be, would be crazy. Like I know infants aren't at that <laughs> and they hardly have sure. any stress in their system yet. Right. But I like to say, I like to give people that 85 or above goal as the end goal. And again, most people feel better way before that, right? Like you're saying, you when you're at a 40%, it's not like you are falling apart, right? It's but it's about function, right? And so sure. and that's why I love adding these other pieces in like working with you guys because the more people own the effect that they have and the control that they have when they have the tools and skills to help their health, then the more they can, the faster they move up that scale. Yes. Right. And it's, yeah, it's them just having that clear path, how to get there. That's sometimes the biggest relief for people and the team that gets them, gives them the accountability, their cheerleader, their coach, whatever you call it. Right. Yes. Um, yeah, totally. I, and one of the things that is always really probably may, maybe one of the most rewarding things about being a, a practitioner um, and, and practicing the way that we all do is the idea of kind of unlocking potential in people. And um, oftentimes you will hear people say like, I didn't know I could feel this good. or I didn't know this was possible. So like when you're talking about like Lauren, you were functioning at like a 40%, like you you're generally a fit healthy person, but that still means that there's a lot of potential for more. Um, and you'll see that people have that experience when it comes to maybe like a chronic disease, something they've lived with their whole life. And when they get healed of that, or when they come out of that, or even experience somewhat of an improvement, it kind of opens their eyes to the potential for improvement. Um, and I think that that's why a lot of our clients tend to come back and continue to work with us through throughout the years is um, we all aspire to help people unlock potential in new ways and help them realize things that they didn't know was possible for themselves. I totally agree with that, Jake. And it's, you know, I, I think it's so interesting because we, we are, we are really trained to not expect much from our bodies and from our abilities. And that's really sad and because we're capable of so much more than we give ourselves credit for kind of across the board. And I feel like the care that we both provide allows people access to that and not just physically, but mentally reframing the possibilities of where they, what they can do and what they're capable of. Totally. It's yeah. I mean, and it's when you help somebody have that paradigm shift um, that is probably one of the more rewarding things about what we do. And I, you're so right. Like within medicine, they always teach you to be a, a generalist or just get the bottom line, right? They, they never really teach you, um, you know, to, to make more out of a situation than what it appears to be. Um, and that's probably where, like, if we were to kind of talk about just frustrations within the system itself, we're, we're a system that really just treats a symptom and helps people kind of just more like triage, like get back out there as opposed to, okay, let's change your trajectory a little bit. Yeah. So you're totally right. Yeah. Well, and something else that, um, you know, I really have to, it, okay. So it's one of, one of you touched on this a minute ago. Um, the idea of like Pete, I think it was Mary Kathleen, but um, the idea of like PT is for when you, something is injured or chiropractic is because you have low back pain, right? Your back pain, whatever. And so 
you know, really helping people reframe the possibilities of those, the two professions even is a job unto itself, right? So teaching as patients come in and they're like, oh, I just need an adjustment. And I'm like, well, that's, you know, I get it that you want an adjustment and we're going to do that, but it's so much more than that. And you can, you can achieve so much more than that one adjustment that's going to get you out of pain can do for you. And so re-educating people is a huge part of that, as we talked about before. And for me, I love having a PT clinic that I can send people to that thinks the same way about that as I do. Because what, you know, when I send people, I say, you know what, I really think you need some PT. Often the answer I get is, well, I've tried that before and it didn't work. And which Mm. makes me so sad because I know the possibilities from working with you guys, for example. And I always have to say, Okay, so we're going to change that experience this time and you're going to see what PT can do for you because it's more than a textbook like, oh, you have low back pain, so you're going to do these 10 exercises. So we're going to send you somewhere where the the care is dynamic and individualized. And they're like, oh, I didn't realize that PT could be that way. So I, it's interesting, like from the other side to really hear that. And then my patients go to your office and come back and say, that was unlike any PT experience I've ever had. And I'm like, I know, right? That's why I sent you there. (laughs) Beautiful. Yeah. Gosh, you're so right. And what's so funny is, and I know you've experienced this because we've experienced this, is patients try to pit PTs and chiropractors against each other. They always try try to like test the waters. They're like, so what do you really think about chiropractors? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what are you trying to get me to say? I'm like, there's great chiropractors and there's bad ones. There's great PTs and there's bad ones. And exactly. uh, it's just funny that, you know, people come with that expectation because they've been trained to do that. Yeah. And probably because of past experiences they've had in other PT clinics where the, you know, that PT says, oh, you shouldn't do chiropractic. It's like, no, you can get both. And like, both are going to be beneficial in their own way. And like, and this is probably why we work well together is we realize that it's not about us and it's always about the patient. Right. And it's, it's about creating a team around that patient to help them actually get better. Right. Well, and I think people have a lot of misconception about um, what, each of us does. And they think that like, even some chiropractors and PTs have some confusion about like how we differ. And so Absolutely. I think that's different. Like the goal is though, though the end goal might be the same, right? Better function, improved function, uh, more potential thriving, etc. The, the general or the uh, more specific, like how we get there is totally different. So when somebody comes in and sees me and then goes over to your clinic and sees you guys, they didn't receive the same two things. And I think there's some confusion about like that there may be overlap and there's, there's not, it's two distinct fields that really support each other really beautifully when work, they work together. You're so right. I agree. Well, this is exciting to, to kind of hear, hear how, you know, you get so excited, just like we get so excited, you know, about Mm -hmm. (laughs) the stuff we do. Is there something that you are super excited about that's like changing in your profession or uh, a viewpoint or an approach that really excites you right now? Well, I would say, so when I started my practice, um, I was one of very few chiropractors who approached the body in this particular way. And in the 14 years that I've been in practice, I've really seen that change. So there, there definitely is more awareness with the um, younger doctors, especially or newer doctors uh, coming into the field, more awareness that this can be a more uh, complete system and, the fact that we can work in union with other practitioners to get the best results. And that doesn't, that that doesn't decrease our value. Um, It actually increases it. Right. And so those two things I think are really important for chiropractic in general, probably the same for PT, I'm guessing. Um, 
But I feel like more and more we're seeing that awareness in doctors, in chiropractors. And so I feel like we'll see a move as a profession over the years more towards that full body, full integration care. Yeah. And and I agree. I think it is switching with physical therapy. There was for a long time that mindset of that as a PT, you should be able to treat everything and that you're failing your client if you referred them to someone else or if you collaborated with someone else. And now if, if I don't know it, if I don't know the answers or know somebody that's better at something, I'm happy to send them to someone else or collaborate and talk with my the, cl- the clinicians in my office. But that is a really great kind of forward thinking approach in healthcare and even physicians. They're being less territorial and realizing that they get better outcomes when they refer to people that are really good at what they they're good at, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Which benefits the patient, which is the whole point. I'm going to kind of change the conversation here for just a second. You know, we've talked a lot about, um, you know, what, what we kind of do for our clients and what you specifically do for your, your patients, Dr. Liliana, um, and also kind of philosophy. Um, But if we kind of shifted the the actual kind of conversation actually back to you as a person, like how has your practice, how has what you've learned over the years shaped who you are as a person and, and brought you um, either physical, professional, spiritual kind of fulfillment uh, throughout what you do and, and who you are? How has this kind of changed you? Hmm, that's a wonderful question, Jake. Okay. So, so you know, I think that, you know, first saying that I was always passionate about chiropractic from the time when I was a teenager, because it's had such a huge impact on my life. However, with that being said, I did, that was not my first career. And after graduating college, um, undergraduate college and, you know, being in the workforce for a couple of years, I really, Um, I actually started working in a chiropractic office at the front desk, mostly because I missed getting adjusted and couldn't really afford it as a new college graduate. And I wanted to care. And so I started working in an office strictly so I could get free care. (laughs) And then immediately I realized how much I missed it and how that is really part had become part of who I am. And so then I went to chiropractic school and then, so I would say in answer to your question that the longer I'm in chiropractic, the more potential I see for what it can do for people. And, um, you know, in chiropractic, we see what from the outside looks like miracles all the time. And it, it, it's kind of like amongst chiropractors, it's like, yeah, yeah, of course that person got better, even though their medical doctor told them they would always be ill or whatever the case is, because we see this sort of thing all the time. And, you know, something that I've really made sure that in our practice we do is really celebrate all of those successes. Because honestly, when it comes down to it, we know so little about the human body and we know so much, but it's so little. And there's so much we still can't explain. And we're finding out more every day. And so what I'm reminded of every day when I'm in practice working with patients is that the human body is more amazing than we can ever understand. And I'm constantly reminded of that as I work with my patients, whether they're six days old or 60 years old anywhere in between. And so how practice has changed me as a person, I would say is that it has allowed me to really uh, stay connected uh, and maybe become more connected to who I am as a, as a being. Um, And so in, in chiropractic and certainly in our office, we don't just talk about the physical Uh, benefits of care. We talk about the emotional, mental, um, spiritual effect of that as well. And 
the fact is when you're more connected to yourself, you live a more full life. And I feel like that's true for myself as well. And the longer I receive chiropractic care, the more connected to myself I feel um, spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally, everything, because I have more and more tools, the more connected and working my neurology and body as a whole is, um, the better I'm able to integrate experiences in the moment rather than storing them in my physiology and having to deal with that later. Um, and all of that impacts who I am as a doctor, who I am as a person, as a human being. And I think you know, that also makes space for others to do that same level of healing under care, whether they came in just to live a healthier life, to have, you know, express more of their potential to thrive or for low back pain. You know, that message comes out either way because everyone in our office, in my office, lives that way and really thrives from their care. And I hope that that comes through that growth that we've experienced and I've experienced hopefully comes through in the care we provide as well. Wow. That, that was really beautifully said. And I, I think that, uh, maybe that's a, that's maybe a good stopping point because I really think that like everything that you just said encapsulates what we're trying to do through this podcast, which is you, the idea that we are all made for more and we're, we're not just you know, like oftentimes we can just be put in a box and we sometimes put ourselves in a box. And it's just amazing that when you start to flourish uh, through your experiences when and, and through helping other people, um, I can personally say that being a practitioner, you know, as a practitioner, we often are we seek to understand um, and when you seek to understand, you you learn a lot of grace for yourself. You learn a lot of grace for other people. And you can just understand the world a lot better. And I think that what you just said is just a perfect encapsulation of what this podcast is all about. So um, Lauren, Mary Kathleen, what, what do you guys kind of have to add on to, to all of that? So um, Dr. Liliana, we are going to share your contact information in our show notes, of course. And like whenever we post to social media, we'll have it in there. But um, what is, do you have a, a specific, like, do you want people to follow you on Instagram or are you trying to reach people via email? Um, what is the best way for people to sort of follow along with Lotus of Life? Sure. Um, so we do have a Facebook page. We also have an Instagram page. Um, and we do do a newsletter. And if anyone, okay. you can find us easily on, you know, either of the um, Facebook or Instagram platforms. But also, if you want to be on our email list, you can email the front desk and it's just info at lotusoflifechiropractic.com. And they'd be happy to add anyone who would like more information about our practice just to our weekly uh, mailing list. Um, okay. That has information all the time. We have a ton of information about the practice on our website. Um, and then definitely calling the office uh, and just inquiring. The staff's happy to answer any questions anyone has or emailing that same address, info at lotusoflifechiropractic.com. Also, we have free monthly classes. Obviously, yes. now those are very uh, small classes. Yeah. <laughs> we can follow all the uh, appropriate rules, but we are starting back classes this month. And so um, with that limited seating, definitely, if you're interested, you can check out the calendar online at our website, and then you'll see the different classes listed. And you can just call if anyone would like to attend, they can just call and ask to for a seat to be saved. And again, those are free community classes because we're very passionate about keeping our community educated, whether there are our patients or not. That's awesome. Um, I didn't know that, but I will make sure that we also include that in our show notes. And then when we share on social media and also um, you are offering uh, free exams for new clients this month. Yes. So this month um, in June, we're offering, it's free friends and family month. So basically uh, we try to do this, you know, every so often, usually about once a year. So if anyone's interested, definitely take advantage now. Um, and basically if a new patient wants to check out, you know, what we're up to and kind of see how care fits into their life, uh, they can just call the front desk um, and you'll post the phone number, I guess, and uh, just say they want to sign up for free friends and family 
exam, new patient exam, and they can just list you guys as the contact. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing for sure. all of that with us. Well, thank you for joining our podcast. I knew that this would be a great one. I was super excited for you to come on and you definitely um, gave us a lot of great tips and a lot of insight. So we appreciate it. And we will definitely send clients your way and tell them all about you. Back at you. Thanks, Thanks so much. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Welcome back. Uh, we just talked with Dr. Liliana from Lotus of Life Chiropractic. And just a really interesting interview with her, um, probably something that most people don't really know about chiropractic or just like kind of a different view of, of chiropractic. So anyway, um, check them out, Lotus of Life Chiropractic. You can get a free evaluation for the uh, month of June. Just mentioned that the Made for More podcast and Functionized Health and Physical Therapy send you over. So let's get into some segments. Um, and yeah, we'll let Mary Kathleen kind of take... Uh, Take it from here. Yeah. So it was really interesting hearing Dr. Liliana talk about all the different types of adjustments they do over at Lotus of Life. And, you know, working with you guys, I know obviously that you do different types of manipulations, but what is the real difference between an adjustment from a chiropractor and a manipulation from a physical therapist? Yeah, I can, I can start. Um, well, first of all, chiropractic care, they use the word adjustment for a manipulation. We don't really use that term in our lingo. We like to use the term mobilization. We have grades to a mobilization, which is um, moving a joint. So a joint moves through a full range of motion, which we see if we raise our arm up and down, it's moving through a full range of motion. But on the joint level, there's a lot going on. Uh, if it's the shoulder, a ball and socket, the joint has to move or mobilize itself to be able to do a full shoulder elevation or to reach overhead. So we like to call it a mobilization and there's different grades to that. And the last grade is a manipulation. So not all physical therapists are comfortable doing a manipulation, but they definitely do a mobilization, which is improving the mobility of the joint so that we can function and do what we need to do. Yeah. And I think that it, it's important to note that, um, yeah, a, a manipulation is taking a joint past its normal physiologic range. So it's actually moving it outside of its normal physiologic range. But um, for me, and, and probably the reason most PTs do a manipulation is that it's a very fast and effective way to give an enormous amount of input to the nervous system. Um, it basically like imagine your, your computer is kind of stuck and it's sort of spin wheeling. Sometimes if we're stuck in a pain state, that's kind of how um, our nervous system is kind of responding. Um, and oftentimes through a manipulation, what we're doing is we're bombarding the nervous system with an enormous amount of information through that fast uh, excessive high velocity thrust. And so the nervous system, it's almost like hitting the restart button on the computer where the computer can kind of reset itself. Oh, that's um, a really good way so, to put it. That's a really neat way to put it. Yeah. So it's, if, if I, the way I kind of do that or, or think about it is that I want to help down regulate a pain response to the nervous system. And so by doing that manipulation, it's a very effective window to get the nervous system to calm down to then on the back end, promote better function on the back end, promote, you know, mobility or movement um, to kind of layer once layer on top of that once we have achieved that manipulation. Would you agree, Lauren? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and something to note, though, is like, when we think about changing the input to the nervous system, it doesn't have to be done through a manipulation either. That is just one form of changing the input. So I also like to have people do a lot of home treatment using a lacrosse ball or using, you know, sometimes now people are using what we would consider percussion, which is the Theragun or the Hypervolt. You're changing that input into the nervous system, how the brain responds to tissue healing. And that can also create some form of a reset. So the brain starts to think that that input's normal again, or that it's okay. And it doesn't have to be that high velocity. It can be a lot of different things. And that's why physical therapy is so great because we have a lot of ways to reset the nervous system. Yeah. 
So in, in kind of, I guess, in, in summary, and I, I can't speak for all chiropractors, but, um, you know, probably a big differentiating factor is that we're not necessarily trying to realign somebody's spine or um, anything like that. We're just trying to influence the nervous nervous system, downregulate a pain response um, so that we can then do the, the exercise or, you know, the things that are going to help that nervous system function a little bit better. So... Yeah. Is that pretty clear? Does that does that make sense? Yeah, it does to me. I think there are two very important differences and two different it, I wouldn't have known this before this podcast before we spoke to Dr. Liliana and I asked you guys these questions. I never would have known that. I knew that there was a difference in that sometimes a patient needs something different, but I never really thought about that a patient could benefit from both regardless of what their needs are. Does that, does that make sense? Like, yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. And I do think it's, it's also important to, to note that those manipulations may be done differently. Like most of the manipulation that Lauren and I do on the spine are all mid range manipulation. Um, and so we're not necessarily taking something like we're not trying to take it past that, that physiologic range all the time. Um, we're just trying to, the, the research that, you know, we probably adhere to the most is um, the idea that it's not necessarily the crack or the, what's called a cavitation, the sound that you get with the manipulation that's important. That's a satisfying sound, but it's actually the most important thing is the amount of velocity that enters into that joint because those joints are uh, packed with what are called mechanoreceptors. And so we're just trying to stimulate mechanoreceptors with high velocity maneuvers. And that is from a research standpoint has what has been shown to actually change the nervous system. Oh, wow. So we're not always, yeah, we're not always trying to change, you know, the actual range of motion. We're just trying to get input to the nervous system quickly. Okay. And, and, you know, the other thing that maybe people don't quite understand, because when we think about a manipulation, we think about it just being in the spine. And the reason, but, but yeah. it can be other joints. If, if a joint has a restriction, you can do it to other joints. But the reason the spine is most often manipulated is because that is where our nerves originate. You have your spinal cord, you have your brain that comes and, you know, that drives everything, but the nerves exit out of your spinal cord and go to your muscles and allow your muscles to work. So you start what we call locally, and then we move more to our extremities where the nerves are, the individual nerves, so that we can improve function. So that's oh, wow. important to note yep. that it's we usually start centrally in the spine because that is the control center, but then move out from there. Wow. Totally. So yeah, that Dr. Liliana touched on that a little bit, I think, when she says when she needs to send people to PT, because once it gets sort of past that, that maybe a patient needs different types of exercises than she really knows what to give them. Yeah. Or maybe exactly. those other and things. And that's really probably, that's a great differentiating point because that's really where those two practices can really coincide and, and, and exist symbiotically to actually be better than just one of those practices alone. Absolutely. So, yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's, that's probably actually a pretty good segue into our tip of the week, um, which the tip of the week is in, in the same vein as both our discussion with Dr. Liliana and that discussion about manipulation, which is uh, the tip of the week is do something that's going to give a new or different stimuli to your nervous system and just see how you respond. Oftentimes we are like such creatures of habit habit. We work out the same way. We eat the same things. We, you know, we take showers at the same temperature. We sleep the same way. Do something this week that's going to challenge your nervous system and see how your nervous system responds. And this is really the thing that makes um, us a really well adapted organism is by receiving a multitude of influences and inputs from our environment to make us more resilient. Um, and so this sounds maybe kind of dumb, but like take a cold shower and just see what your nervous system does <laughs> that day, uh, or do eat something spicy, like something that's going to completely change the nervous system or do something that you would do out of, uh, your, your norm to kind of see how you respond. Wow. That's yeah. a good tip. Yeah. I like it. Yep. 
All right. So I actually um, spoke with some students from PCOM. Um, what is, what is the full PCOM name? Oh, Philadelphia College of, Pharma- uh, of Osteopathic Medicine. That's actually up near where I went to school for PT school. Okay. So, yep. It's an osteopathic school that um, has PT. Well, I spoke with Remy, who you guys both know used to work with us. We miss you, Remy, so much if you're listening. Um, and she shared this with you, some, Remy. she goes to PCOM of Georgia, and she shared this with some of her friends in her classes. So I have a few questions for you guys. I'm just going to ask nervous. three. I know. I'm, I'm just going to ask three. <laughs> I've been out of school for 20 years. This is tough. <laughs> yeah. And they were in the middle of finals when this was happening. So I'm going to start you off with a oh softball, boy. which is just a question that I looked up. So this also might make me sound dumb because there's probably plenty of people who know what it is. And I didn't. I can't wait. But what is <laughs> what is bursitis? Oh, bursitis. OK, that is a, that is an easy one there, MK. Yeah, I thought it might be. <laughs> Well, bursitis or the word I-T-I-S at the end of a word means inflammation. So inflammation of a bursa. And a bursa is like a a kind of a fluid filled sac that lies between bones and muscles or tendons. And it's a cushion. It cushions our um, uh, areas where there might be more friction. And what we see that a lot, a lot of people get what's called hip bursitis, which is kind of a pain in the outside of the hip. And a lot of times it's a weakness issue in those hip muscles that put more friction in an area and allow that bursa to get inflamed and be very painful. It can swell. Um, And, you know, some people get injections in that bursa, but a lot of times if you just work on strength and flexibility of the muscles around it, it frees up the bursa and allows it to function more optimally. Okay. So just because, so if someone gets bursitis due to like overuse or, or infection. Um, if they are to get a health, they can get a healthy bursa again. It's not like downhill yeah. forever. No, definitely nope. not. <laughs> oh, well, that's good to know. And you said that perfectly, Lauren, that was a textbook. Yeah, it, it pretty much was. Um, all right. So this question comes from Remy McRae. Um, Remy, I I think she went, I think she went easy on you guys, but I'm not sure. Obviously she asked, what is the calf muscle pump and why is it important? The calf muscle pump. I am going to say that she is asking this with regards to, um, the, or the, uh, arterial and venous system is my, my best guess. And that. So when we look at our circulatory system, so we have arteries that then feed into veins, right? Yeah. Arteries have have a muscular wall and the artery itself can actually pump uh, blood through the that tissue. A vein does not have muscle. A vein has uh, these little back flow valves that when the artery pumps, it pumps it into the vein and it opens up these one-way valves and then that blood with that one-way valve shuts and then the blood kind of sits in that vein. And it's it only moves through the veins because of the, um, the pumping from the artery. So you can think of it kind of like a heart. You have one, one beat followed by another beat that's kind of pumping it through the system. So... When we get down to our lower extremities um, with the the force of gravity, that fluid does not necessarily pump out of the, or the the blood doesn't pump out of the veins as well because it's fighting in a a seriously uphill battle against the rest of the body because the body's really long. And so the calf muscle specifically um, will actually help to pump out either if we're talking about the the circulatory system will help pump out blood and pump up blood up the system as well as uh, the lymphatic system as well and help pump out fluid in the lymphatic system. That's my guess is what she's going after. Lauren, would you? Yeah. Yeah. I I think so. I think so. And, and, and maybe just to piggyback on that, it's just, it shows how important just doing calf pumps are during the day. So like if you're sitting and you can sometimes get some swelling in your ankles, or if you've had an ankle injury, 
just pumping your ankle, meaning moving your ankle up and down, creates that active pump, like Jake said, and just improves the circulation so you have less swelling of that um, lymphatic fluid or whatever inflammation is going on. Yeah, so Remy, the answer that she put was the calf muscle pump creates a pressure gradient that pushes venous blood back up the body to the heart to increase venous return. Is that woohoo, Jake? That... You were right on. Yeah, and she way more succinct than I put. Yeah, she said dysfunction <laughs> can lead to venous insufficiency in the lower extremity. So, Lauren, you talked about your ankle swelling, and I think that's what those additional notes were about. There it is. Yeah, so good job, guys. Teamwork. All right. <laughs> okay, and this one comes from Melody Yazdani, and she asked, "What ligament does the atlas axis shear test check for?" Shear S H E A R shear test. I'm assuming that she means a sharp purser test, Lauren. Uh, I, I think so. I think so. Is that the is that the transverse ligament? So, is that what that is? Wait, record scratch. Everything you're about to hear is wrong, but listen anyway, and we'll correct on the back end. You've got the transverse ligaments and then the cruciate ligament. Right. Um, and so the, the transverse ligament would be for the, the, I forget what it's called, but it's the supine like tilt test. Yeah. So basically you're feeling, you're feeling C1, C2 as you tilt the head side to side. If the, uh, if the atlas axis doesn't tilt with it, that means that the transverse ligament is torn. Mm-hmm. The cruciate ligament is going to be uh, supporting for a sharp purser test, which is where you take one hand on the back of the neck and you you kind of hold the, the C2 spinous process and then you push on the head right. and it shouldn't move. If it starts to shear, then you've probably got a tear in the cruciate ligament. Is that right? Well, yeah, I, I so the so. answer the answer Melody put was transverse ligament. Oh, she didn't elaborate. Mm. Hmm. Well, we got that right. We got that yeah. right. But so, Jake, so why it's, is it's that both, important? Both why tests. is that test important, Jake? Maybe that's the, the take Oh, on. yeah. So the, that test is important because uh, oftentimes during uh, a traumatic event, that, that's a rarely a ligament that will, will tear, but it happens often during a traumatic event, often mostly in a, in a motor vehicle accident. And so if that ligament tears then there's the ability for shear to happen at the level of the head on the atlas and axis, which then will then put pressure on the spinal cord and specifically like the brainstem, yeah. which you really don't want that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not good, awful. For sure. <laughs> well, good job guys. And thank you so yeah. much, Remy and Melody. If you guys are listening, I really appreciate you sending in these questions because it, took a lot off of my plate and a lot of research because I don't know what a lot of this means <laughs> until now. And it's fun to kind of revisit those things. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So you got to love the confidence, but here's where we were wrong. And when I say we, I mean me mainly, because if you run it back, Lauren actually was starting to answer correctly. And then I kind of hijacked it. Anyway, The transverse ligament is a portion of the cruciate ligament. They are one and the same. Now, when I learned it, I just kind of learned it as the cruciate ligament, and we never really called it the transverse ligament test. We called it a sharp purser test, um, which, again, checks the transverse ligament, aka cruciate ligament, which is a test to look at excessive shear at C1, C2, which, if there is, that means that the ligament is either ruptured and or too lax, which you don't really want that because that causes potential for encroachment onto the spinal cord. Now, the confusion was, is that in my head, I was thinking the transverse ligament was the alar ligament, which it's not. The alar ligament is an oblique ligament that runs from the dens up to the occiput. I think it actually inserts onto the foramen magnum. And what that does is that checks against excessive side bending or lateral bending. So similar type of test in that it's checking for ligamentous laxity and or rupture. Um, And if there is, that means that, again, there is potential for encroachment onto the spinal cord and or brainstem where it enters slash exits the frame and magnum. So there's the actual answer. Anyway, back to the podcast. Well, thank you for tuning in. We hope that this was uh, informative. 
uh, fun and that you learned something, again, be sure to check out Lotus of Life Chiropractic located in downtown Decatur. Um, follow them on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and then also they've got a great newsletter um, you can subscribe to. So thanks for joining us. 